0: Welcome to Revenue Insights. Every week, we'll be joined by revenue leaders from some of the most successful and highest growing companies. Together we explore how they built their revenue teams, the journeys that they've been on and the lessons they have learned along the way. Revenue Insights is brought to you by Ebster. We're a revenue intelligence platform designed to help revenue teams to build more pipeline, close more deals and retain more customers. there. You are listening to Revenue Insights. Today, I've got a special episode for you. Over the past month, we have analysed over $54 billion worth of revenue. That constitutes over 4.2 million opportunities, over a million hours of sales conversations from over 530 companies. We've done our usual process of trying to understand where sales teams are and how sales teams were performing over the past 12 months. And this year, we've taken particular interest in trying to understand what attributes are separating top performers from the rest of the team. So this episode covers a lot of our findings and was originally recorded as an early release at the Pavilion CEO Summit in Scottsdale, Arizona at the end of January. We've since come out with a full report that I'll put in the show notes below but figured people enjoy digesting the findings in different ways in different formats. So we're re-uploading the episode here for everyone to enjoy.
1: Let me start by saying, wow, what an amazing event to have everyone here today. And a huge thank you to Kathleen and to Sam and the whole team for creating this environment where we get to get together once a year and do this together. So it's almost twice as many people this year as last year. So I want to start with a quick round of applause for the team that put this all together for us. Thank you have the sound. So today I'm going to be talking about our twenty twenty-four Betchmart report, which we put together with Pavilion. This is following the twenty twenty-three reports, which had an incredible amount of attraction. We had over three thousand companies downloaded in 2023 benchmark report and the feedback we got from the community was incredible my team reached out to everybody as best as we could asking people what they wanted to see more of and today i'm going to walk you through the sneak peek of what's in the 2024 benchmark report and at the end of the presentation there's a qr code and if you want to you can you can register to download a copy and you get early access so before we jump into the 2024 numbers let's remind ourselves of where we started what happened last year so the last time we ran the numbers was in the summer. So this was based on the first half of 2023. And there were some positive signs. We were seeing some green sheets. We thought that the market was starting to pick up and in, in our favor. We saw win rates increase, sales cycles reduce, and average deal values were going up. However, that didn't tell the whole story. We saw that only 27% of reps were hitting quota in the first half of the year. We saw this delta between the top performance and the rest of the sales team started to grow. So the year before, it was about 4x. At we, we, the beginning of the first half of 2023, we saw that grow to, to 6x, with just 23% of the reps now generating over 80% of the revenue. And that was really an interesting delta that we'd never seen before. We also saw more deal slippage than we'd ever seen before. Nearly 40% of opportunities that we analyzed had slipped past the predicted close days, which again, was higher than we'd ever seen before.
0: Just a quick reminder, and then we will be right back to the show. At Revenue Insights, our goal is to share how top-performing revenue leaders build predictable, efficient, go-to-market teams. Every week, we speak to the brightest minds, and every quarter, we release the latest findings from our analysis of billions of dollars in pipeline. If you don't want to miss out, sign up to our newsletter at ebster.com forward slash newsletter dash signup. That's ebster.com forward slash newsletter dash signup. The link, to make that a little bit easier for you, will be in the show notes of this episode wherever you're listening. See you there.
1: So when we jumped into this year, we wanted to analyze more data than we ever had before. So we this year, we analyzed 4.2 million opportunities, which represented $54 billion worth of revenue. Now, the data came from over 500 businesses, all very fast growth B2B and B2C software businesses. We also analyzed for the very first time over a million hours of sales meetings. So these are calls that were recorded in either Zoom or Tease. And we analyzed all of the signals and all of the ejections that came out from, from the calls. The very first time we've ever done that piece of work. So some fascinating insights. Now, if you're all still here and haven't slid your wrists off the back of the initial presentation, that's a good sign. But the reality is we are facing headwinds as we enter 2024. Okay? And, and with the data that we're looking at, it really is quite stark. So while we thought we saw those green shoots the first half of 2023, as we ended the year, what we found is that win rates had dropped dramatically. Again, deal values had dropped and sales cycles had started to increase again. So while we thought we had those green shoots at the beginning of the year, things actually got very tough at the end of the year. We also saw the percentage of reps that were missing quota was at 69% and nearly half of deals had slipped in the second half of the year. Again, highest number we've ever seen before. (laughs) But the shocking number for me that I that was this middle delta point here, the velocity delta between these top performers and the rest of our sales teams. That grows, that delta growing and the top performers just going further and further into the distance away from the rest of the sales team is absolutely, it was really quite shocking actually. And we're going to jump into those numbers in a lot more detail today. So what can we do about it? What do we do? How do we change this dynamic? How do we win in a bear market? Well, what we know is in bear markets, there's a lot of companies that don't do well, that they can suffer very badly. But there are a few that do it the right way and they clean up. Okay, so how do we make sure we're on the right side of this world? Well, as we've already talked about this morning, we know that this idea of growth at all costs has is whether it was real in the first place, I'm not sure, but it's got... So this brute force approach... So if it costs five to achieve one, well then let's spend ten to achieve two. This approach to just throw money at the problem and we will it just doesn't matter. That can't continue and it won't continue moving forward. And when we look at all that, that impact had on our sales teams, we saw that we saw the tenure of sales reps reduced quarter after quarter. The percentage of reps that were moved on, we'll talk about a little bit later, but we can't continue to do this to our sales teams. Okay, we need to start investing in our AEs because they're not the problem. Okay, it's the way we're coaching them and supporting them is. So the new way is to really get under the skin of what the, the best of the top performers are achieving. Why are they doing better than everybody else? What are they doing differently at every single stage of the sales process? How can we understand what's driving their behavior to achieve those outcomes? And then how can we replicate that across the rest of our sales teams? That's how we win, and that's how we can do a whole lot more with less. <laughs> So we still have a problem with quota attainment. Now, uh, those eagle-eyed of you will notice that I suggested at the beginning that quota attainment was down to just 27% of reps were hitting quota attainment, and now it's down to 31%. So that's surely moving in the right direction. But actually, the numbers actually tell us something slightly different. In reality, in the second half of last year, the quotas being set were 90% lower for our reps. So the fact that 69% of reps still miss quota is really quite scary. And when we look at the data, if we hadn't reassessed, if we hadn't reset the quota numbers, that number would be close to 79%. We also saw this gap between the top performers and everybody else really grow. with just 17% of the reps now generating over 80% of the revenue for our, our businesses. Now, that's not healthy for our business. It's also not healthy for the sales team. We find ourselves in a position where we're almost at ransom to these top performers. Okay? It's not sort a of black art. Okay, These people are following a process in a way, they've got an instinctive way of doing things. But we need to learn. We now live in a world where all the data is available to us. We need to understand what they're doing, and we need to help out the rest of our teams replicate that behavior. When we looked at the data, only 50% of sales teams had over 50% of their reps hitting quota at lot over the second half of last year. Okay, The numbers really are quite stark. And the turnover of sales teams increased dramatically. Up to 36% of the sales teams were churned last year. This is the highest numbers we've ever seen. We've been doing these reports now for four years. Now, a lot of us saw pipeline grow at the back end of last year. We saw that the, the volume of deals coming through the pipeline it was getting bigger, that the volume of deals coming in was, was good. The problem was that safety blanket wasn't real. That comfort blanket wasn't. We were going to sleep at night. The guys, okay, we've got a load of pipeline. But unfortunately, nearly half of those deals were were slumping, and we weren't getting the close rates that we were expecting from the past. We also know that when deals start to slip, the close rates drop dramatically. And if they sit by more than eight weeks, you might as well close them off as lost in more, more often than not. The win rates drop really dramatically. Now, if you I, everyone's running a different sales cycle and sales processes, but if your slippage happens if your slippage represents more than fifty percent of your average sales cycle, the win rate drops by ninety percent when we're looking okay. at that. There is a line at the end of the tunnel. I know it feels like there's a lot of negativity here. However, there is, the answer lies in plain sight. If we're going to see that it's not just that the fact that the reps are missing their quota and half the deals are slipping, but the key to this is this delta between the top performers and everybody else. This cannot sustain. We have to start seeing those numbers come down. We have to start understanding what those top performers are doing, documenting it, and scaling it across the rest of the sales team. And that's our job as leaders, to help the sales teams become more successful, not just churn them out and fire another load expecting them to achieve. So what are the attributes of the top performers? What are we seeing that the top performers are doing differently to everybody else? What I try to do for you today is break that into the kind of five key stages of the sales process. So we're covering prospecting, qualification, solution proposed, and the negotiation stage and the close. And what I want to do is just talk you through what we're seeing in the data in the top performers so that you can take that home with you and and hopefully replicate that with the rest of your sales team. So if we start at the top of the funnel looking at prospecting, the first thing we know is that not all leads are equal. Depending on where they're coming from, what the sources of them are, the top performers are able to sniff out the very best leads where they're working. It's not appropriate if any sales rep has got less than 30% of their opportunities representing ICP it's not good. We know that they have to be targeting the right companies. We know they have to be targeting companies with high intent. And we know that leads that come from certain sources have a much higher return, a much higher win rate. If your partner introduces you to the customer, then you're much more likely to close that piece of business rather than, cold than a cold outreach. So working the right opportunities is absolutely key, but also working with the right personas when you get into those opportunities is key as well. Now, one of the things that we've all had to kind of come to terms with is that the CFO or the finance director with it is, is going to be involved in almost like every buying decision. And the truth is, they're not our enemy. They want that return on investment more than anyone else in the business. They want that cost saving or that productivity gain or that increase in growth that you're promising. But get them involved in that sales process early because the top performers are consistently engaging with those personas. Moving on to the qualification process. We've all heard of different, yeah, every, everyone's been talking about whether they're adopting Medic, Medpeak, bands. Spice is one of my favorites, and that's... Uh, a little nod to Jacko if he's in the room. But what I wanted to do here is share with you what the differences are between the top performers in the way that they're qualifying opportunities and the rest of your sales teams. So first of all, it's worth noting that as you can see here, that the difference in the qualification process that the top performers are going through is material. While everyone's capturing things like the pain points and the impacts of your solution on the company, very that only the top performers are going the extra mile and really understanding what that decision-making criteria is or what that sort of event is going to be that's going to make this deal happen. And that, that qualification process needs to happen, not just at the initial stage of the sales process, but all the way through the sales process. And we see that consistently. The top performers are consistently qualifying the customers through. And in fact, as we look at the data, we find that the, that the top performers are closing lost opportunities at the discovery phase much more than the rest of the sales team. They're not wasting their time or the prospects time if there's no real chance of them closing the business. The challenge with teaching qualification methodology, like any admin we give to our sales team, is that it's not easy for them to do. You can sit them in a classroom, you can tell them why they should do it. But then three weeks later, when we look at the data in Salesforce, we'll find that very few people are filling this data out. So how do we solve that? Well, the answer is through technology. So you can use now call AI technology. That records the the, the sales meetings that you're going through to automatically populate the medfic or the SPICE on your behalf. The reps don't need to do any work. We still live in 2020. In 2024, number one, we shouldn't be encouraging sales reps to be responsible for any sort of admin. And number two, we need to thank you very much. And number two, we need to recognize that relationships still drive revenue in our markets. We absolutely need the sales teams to do what they're good at, which is building those strong relationships, building trust, building business cases with our customers. And we can allow the technology to do the agony, to take away that burden. And we can still capture the mid pick and, and the qualification methodology as we go. So when we look at these million hours of sales meetings that we've we've analyzed over the last year, we can see a stark difference between the way the average performers are doing things versus the top performers. So when we look at the way deals are closed lost, the average performers are, spending, are investing most of their time or ident- uh, suggest most of the deals are closing lost because they couldn't necessarily prove the ROI to the customer because they didn't have budget. It wasn't a priority. But the reality is they just weren't capable of building the right business case for the customer. It wasn't the fact that the customer didn't see it as a priority or didn't have budget. Believe me, if you can double the company's growth, they'll find the budget. Uh, the average performers really struggle to, to articulate the value proposition and they close off the opportunities down to the lack of budget or it wasn't a high enough priority. While the top performers are closing off opportunities because they couldn't prove the ROI to the customer, because perhaps the, market built, the, the product didn't fit the solution the customer needed. So that the reasons why people are closing, the way they're dealing with their objections is materially different between the top performers and everybody else. And as we dive into the data further, we see that more and more of the objections are coming in earlier and earlier in the sales process. There's quite a long data on this one. But what we can see is that if you don't address those challenges early, the deal starts to slip very quickly. Now, this one, this is probably one of my favorites. When we started to really get under the skin of how the objection handling, one of the key differences between those top performers and everybody else in the sales team is the way that they manage those objections. So the the average performers we can see here are really struggling with with challenges around budget and priority in the early stages. While the top performers are on the other side, they're talking about ROI and feature fits, and they're tackling those challenges, and it's actually helping them progress the deals further. We also see in this graphic, what we're looking at is the difference between an average sales process for a top performer on the left versus winning a deal versus a closed lost opportunity. Now, the size of the bars tell you how long they're spending in stage. And there's some real interesting data points around the difference between those top performers and the way that they're performing, the pace in which they operate, the speed at which they're running through those stages, but also the number of stakeholders they're involved with. So the top performers are engaging with up to nine stakeholders before they presented back the solution to the customer. Well, when we're, when we're seeing deals close loss, the number of stakeholders involved is materially low. We also can see that when, when meetings start to get cancelled, it, it leads to a lot of slippage, and that slips from grove and needs to close off opportunities. Of and if there's more than seven days between pro, on progress on opportunities, if you're not engaging, it doesn't mean you have to have a meeting every seven days, but if you're not engaging with the customer at least every seven days, the chance of the deal closing one drops by 65%. So momentum is absolutely key, but also being multi-threaded with the customers is really important. So when we talk about closing, there's no silver bullet here. However, there's some key data points as to the difference between those top performers and everybody else in the sales team. We can see that the top performers are three times more likely to have completed that methodology. They know that that discipline works for them, so they go through that exercise. Five times more likely to have really strong, high-quality relationships in the sales process. Twice as likely to have self-sourced their own deals through the sales process. And nearly five times as likely to have the economic buyer engaged before they're presenting about the solution. We also see that they're four times more likely to update the opportunity every week and progress as at pace. Three times more likely to close an opportunity at discovery phase. The top bidders, the top performers are not afraid to close off opportunities early. Get them out of the pipeline at the discovery phase. There's no point holding them on or holding on to just for hope and then much less likely to lose the deal because of indecision.
0: Just a quick reminder, and then we will be right back to the show. At Revenue Insights, our goal is to share how top-performing revenue leaders build predictable, efficient, go-to-market teams. Every week, we speak to the brightest minds, and every quarter, we release the latest findings from our analysis of billions of dollars in pipeline. If you don't want to miss out, sign up to our newsletter at ebster.com forward slash newsletter dash sign up ebster.com forward slash newsletter dash up. The link to make that a little bit easier for you will be in the show notes of this episode wherever you're listening. See you there.
1: But look, not all of our sales guys are these rockstar top performers. So how do we prompt the guys to do what we want? The answer is we use the data. Your top performers and the way that they operate and execute for every sales process is the DNA behind what a good deal looks like. And we can use that DNA. We can use that benchmark to prompt the sales reps across the business on their own individual deals. And we can do it wherever they live. They can have it in Salesforce, they can have it in Teams. Here we can see in Slack, we've got alerts coming through where we were prompting them to say, look, you've been at this current stage for too long, or we haven't engaged with this particular persona. All of these can be done in deal rooms that are virtually created automatically for the sales teams inside whichever environment they're choosing to work. So to summarize, to replicate the top performers' behavior, number one, we need to understand what target accounts we should be going for. What does good look like? Which personas, which accounts represent ICP? And can we identify high-intent accounts? Okay, really important that we're only targeting businesses that are really spying we ourselves. We need to be ruthless in the way we qualify our opportunities. These qualification methodologies work, and it's consistent. It has to happen, not just at the initial stage. It's not a box-ticking exercise well, I kind of over the economic buyer is, it's fine, we we'll have just keep going. You need to continue to use the qualification methodologies and you're doing it to support the customer as well as the salesperson. We need to get better at coaching our reps to handle these objections. Objection handling was the key differentiator when we analyzed this a million hours of sales pools. The top performers give their customers comfort and confidence that they have understanded their paid and that they're able to address their concerns or their objections as they come up. And actually, by dealing with the objections in a correct manner, you can speed up the sales process. But we have to teach the rest of the sales team how to deal with those objections. Being multi-threaded it still works. Relationships still drive revenue. Measure those relationships. Understand how multi-threaded you are. What is there a difference between, you know, if you're at the end of a sales process and you're not on texting relationship with your customer, there might be something wrong. And then finally, proactively manage these opportunities, get them out of the sales process if so they're not right. can't believe we got through it at the time. So that's the presentation. That's a snippet of the insights you're going to find from the report. The report is available exclusively to Pavilion members for the first two weeks. So if you scan and register, you'll be sent a copy over the next couple of weeks. Thank you very much for all of your time.
0: Thanks for listening to Revenue Insights. If you want to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter and we'll deliver every episode straight to your inbox. If you have any questions, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. Our links will be in the episode notes. See you next week.